Politics, Politics, and Life Sciences Radio, also known as PLS Radio, is a show about the interplay of life sciences and politics. PLS Radio is hosted by Dean L. Finelli, Ph.D., an intellectual property attorney in Washington, D.C., whose practice focuses on issues connected to the life sciences industry. PLS explores cutting-edge topics involving the biotech and pharma ecosystems, political and governmental policy issues affecting the biotech and pharma industries, and much more. PLS guests include scientists, business, medical professionals, media personalities, newsmakers, and political leaders. Politics and Life Sciences Radio is your place for hot topic discussions and real news in the life sciences industry. Now, it's time for Politics and Life Sciences Radio with your host, Dr. Dean L. Finelli. Good afternoon. This is Dean Finelli with Politics and Life Science Radio. Thank you for joining us where we talk about all the issues in the life science industry and the politics that drive that industry. I'm very excited to have as our guest today, Attorney Tom Lawless. Uh, He's been practicing as a trial attorney for more than 42 years, so very excited to have him as our guest today. We'll bring Tom on in a few minutes. Uh, Before we do so, let's See what's going on in the uh, life science industry. Uh, COVID-19 apparently is evolving and getting better at becoming airborne. According to a study out of the University of Maryland, uh, as these new variants have been evolving from the initial strain that was out back in January of 2020, the virus is able to evolve into becoming a more uh, airborne-friendly virus, meaning it is transmittable at a much higher level uh, than through the air than it originally was, which is just, um, you know, probably a lot of us say, of course it is. That's why this is so transmissible. But seeing the data now, according to the University of Maryland, um, each breath carries 43 to 100 times more of viral particles than the original strain. So you can just tell, see how infectious and contagious this is. Uh, Good news is, uh, in the study, they also confirmed that wearing masks does prevent uh, and slow down the transmissibility of the virus, but unfortunately, it only makes it a a lower percentage, about 50% of the particles. So when you're talking about that much more of a viral load, even a 50% reduction by wearing a mask uh, is not really just see how contagious this is. So hopefully... You know, the people understand that the strongest way we're going to get through this is getting vaccinated. Certainly, you know, as I just mentioned, masks do help in the meantime, but vaccinations really are only way through this. So hopefully as people see friends get infected and are in the hospital, that's convincing people to get vaccinated. As people see more data come out, that's convincing them as well as the approval of the Pfizer mRNA vaccine. So certainly... You know, we're not where we need to be. We're seeing hospitalizations continue to rise, but that's mostly amongst the unvaccinated, although not exclusively. When we look at the Delta variant, uh, what about six months ago would have been considered a breakthrough infection is not really breakthroughs, probably not the right term anymore. These Delta variant is highly contagious, and even people that are vaccinated are becoming infected, although the good news is they are Uh, for the most part, protected against moderate to severe disease, which is putting people in the hospital. One person that's really not 
too concerned about the vaccine, unfortunately, or the virus is the new Surgeon General of Florida who described COVID vaccines as nothing special. Now, I guess, you know, when you talk about the new Surgeon General, he's appointed by the governor. And we know Governor DeSantis, uh, you know, frankly, he did a good job, I think, last year leading up to this. Uh, over the last few months, some of the news that's coming out of uh, Florida and the decisions that are being made are a bit head scratching, you know, not allowing kids to wear masks and uh, some of the other news about uh, the playing down the seriousness of the virus. We know when we look at children, children are becoming infected at a much higher rate now than they did uh, with the original strain. Kids are getting back to school. They're especially children under 12, there's no vaccine available for them yet. We do expect a vaccine to be authorized uh, for 5 to 11-year-olds in the next coming months. But at this point, really the only protection kids have are masks. So the idea of telling a school district they're not allowed to uh, tell kids to wear a mask is just really counterintuitive to me. So I uh, respectfully disagree with the governor and some of the statements that are coming out of Florida. But nonetheless, you know, let's keep our fingers crossed that um, you know, even if kids become infected, they're not getting that severe infection that puts them in the hospital. Uh, at this point, we've seen about 500 deaths amongst children. But as I mentioned, the number of cases in children is really through the roof. So they are becoming infected. Luckily, uh, not as lethal uh, to children as you know we saw originally uh, how the vaccine affected elderly and people over 65. So there's been quite a few court challenges uh, to the vaccine requirements. Uh, the Biden administration announced earlier this month that it would require tens of millions of Americans uh, to get the vaccine in order to continue working. Uh, we've seen quite a few lawsuits. Employees are fighting mandates uh, and termination uh, for not getting vaccinated, uh, citing constitutional issues. But for the most part, courts have been ruling in favor of employers and governments basically saying this is within their purview to protect the public health. So these cases are piling up uh, even at the university level from students, uh, lawsuits against states. But again, you know, states have the ability to protect individuals and protect the public health. So a lot of these cases are not going in favor of the individuals and are going in favor of uh, the requirements and the mandates for vaccination. I'd like to bring in our guest today. My guest is attorney Tom Lawless. Uh, Mr. Lawless is a trial attorney with more than 42 years. He's represented and tried cases for institutional clients, entrepreneurs, real estate investors, commercial lenders, tech companies, and is probably best known for his win in the trial over copyright issues in the Stan Lee v. Marvel case. Uh, he frequently appears in the media to comment on and explain legal issues, so I'm very excited to bring Mr. Lawless on today. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Dr. Finelli, it's my pleasure and greetings from warm and sunny Southern California. Well, I'm glad to hear that because it's pouring here and outside of Washington, D.C., so at least one of us is in nice weather. Uh, one of the issues that's been, um, we've been hearing a lot is this case, it's the highly anticipated trial of the ex-Tharnos CEO, Elizabeth Holmes, is underway. Uh, we, it seems like her and her former COO kind of are bifurcating their trials in order to blame it on the other person. Um, what are your takes on this as far as your initial 
read on what's going on in this case and you know how these how are things uh, initially working out are they meeting your expectations or have you seen any surprises well let me start with the book the outstanding spellbinding thriller which was uh, a factual nonfiction book written by john carreyrou when i read bad blood in 2018 my take was these people elizabeth holmes and Sonny Balwani are going to end up in public housing someday. And everything that I've read and learned in following the trial uh, convinces me that that's still a very real probability. Now, when you look at her company, I mean, she had a lot of money from investors. And, you know, VCs, investors are very savvy. You know, at one point, her company was worth I think $9 billion and she had hundreds of millions of dollars in VC investment. How did she, how do you think she wound up duping so, so many really educated, smart people? It's not a defense to a pernicious and vicious fraud that the people who are the victims of the fraud are smart or sophisticated. Fundamentally, she raised $724 million in venture capital from the luminaries of tech investing by making fraudulent misrepresentations. And the core misrepresentation was that Theranos had a product that could uh, perform the blood testing analysis uh, for, for individuals that would allow them to have the ability to be aware of what their diagnosis would be and what the treatment would be. Theranos didn't have that technology, and, and they concealed from the investors that they were using off-the-shelf machines because their Edison machine was an abject failure. It was unreliable, and the testing results were inconsistent and erroneous. And certainly, you know, if she did in fact lie to investors, uh, you know, obviously, it seems like she purported to have this machine that could do all these diagnostic tests on a drop of blood. But there, I recall there was a lot of skepticism. Is this investors just kind of putting their head in the sand and not doing proper diligence? I mean, it seems like if someone would have said, you know, hey, I'm going to give you $100 million, but let me see this work uh, in person first, that may have solved some of these issues. How did they get so far without and for so long without any substantive kind of inquiry. Well, in that regard, there were representations made that the the major pharmaceutical companies had approved the technology, that the Department of Defense had deployed the technology, that there were major contracts with pharmaceutical companies for use of the technology, and all of those representations were false and fraudulent. And in fact, uh, this started back in 2006 when Holmes and others in the Theranos organization flew to Switzerland for a Novartis test, and the demonstration was a complete fraud. By that I mean they purported to be demonstrating how the technology worked, but what they really did was use a simulation from uh, data and information that was in their computer server, and it wasn't a, a real, actual demonstration of the technology at all. So all of these different representations were false and untrue, 
And there was nothing that would have caused these investors to have skepticism about the reliability of the information and the analysis. And no, no one could have foreseen that two years later in 2016, Theranos would be voiding all of its test results. Yeah, it's just really insane. I mean, when you look at, you know, she had a board of directors that basically was a hoo-hoo of politicians, uh, ex-military, former secretaries of state. So, you know, in, in retrospect, you know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but, you know, you look at what she was doing. What do you think were some of the, the biggest red flags? Well, to your point, the, the investors included George Schultz, Jim Matt, uh, Mattis, Henry Kissinger, Sam Nunn, and other politicians and leaders, but none of them were medical people. And so what I think was the strategy uh, here was that she wanted to be, build credibility by having celebrity investors on the board of directors to attract VC investments. As far as red flags, number one, there was no medical peer review for this product. Number two, there were no results that were reported in medical journals. Number three, there was an inconsistency in the patent that she filed regarding required amounts of blood for using, uh, for providing the test mechanism service. Uh, number four, the Edison machine did not, in fact, work, and as a result of the failures and inadequacies of the Edison machine, the Theranos management had to use off-the-shelf machines that were created by the competitors. And then there were red flags that were financial red flags. First, uh, in the uh, 2013 time period, Theranos was burning about $2 million a week in terms of its overhead expense and not generating any revenue. Uh, second, as far as what the revenues were uh, for Theranos, while Theranos projected, for example, that its revenue would be uh, $100 million in 2014, it had zero, between zero and $100,000 of revenue. So there were red flags everywhere. But fundamentally, when Theranos created the partnerships with Walmart and Safeway, they were based on false representations that caused enormous damage to both. Safeway built 800 pharmacies in its, excuse me, clinics in its stores and never had a product that could provide the blood testing service that was advertised. Walmart eventually sued Theranos for $140 million because the products that were provided didn't work. So there were abundant red flags, Dr. Finelli. So when you mentioned these deals they had with Walmart and with Safeway, should, they, should the FDA have been involved at some point in, in analyzing this? Because it seems like if Walmart Again, Walmart and uh, Safeway, two huge companies. Was the diligence not done properly? It seems FDA should have at some point you know, validated that this is an actual product that worked. Did that just not happen? Well, 
Uh, that did not happen, and beyond that, I'm not. Uh, I couldn't give you an opinion about whether the FDA had jurisdiction over a medical device because that's outside my area of expertise. But there was no. Uh, if if the FDA had such jurisdiction, there was no approval that was granted by the FDA or any other regulatory agency. And I guess to your point, the most important thing here is the nature of the product. These medical tests are a matter of life and death. We're not building in a factory bricks or concrete blocks for a construction site. We're talking about life and death medical decisions for patients. And doctors have, and medical providers have to be able to rely on the accuracy of the testing devices. In this case, Safeway and Walmart abandoned these uh, relationships and these investments in the case of Safeway of more than $350 million because homes in Theranos never delivered reliable medical devices. Yeah, you bring up an excellent point. Do you are you aware were any individuals injured? You know that I mean it's it's really a really compelling point that people may have relied on these tests. They may have got the wrong results. Are you aware of any individuals that actually received misinformation that injured them? Yes, and let's talk about that for a brief moment. There are six witnesses who have testified so far, and two of them are from Arizona. One is named Audra Zachman, and she's an Arizona medical assistant, and her patient was a woman named Brittany Gold. Now, Miss Gold is uh, a very, in my view, tragic figure because she suffered through three miscarriages. She went to have uh, the test administered by Theranos for two reasons. One, she had an extremely high insurance deductible, and two, the cost for the, the Theranos test was lower than the cost of other tests. So uh, Audra Zachman referred Brittany Gould to the Theranos test, and the Theranos test reflected that Ms. Gould, who was pregnant, was miscarrying her, ba- her baby, and it was a failed pregnancy. Well, there were two prior tests that Ms. Gould took that reflected that she was pregnant and the pregnancy was medically satisfactory. And after this occurred, Zachman and Gould talked about alternatives such as terminating the pregnancy so that Ms. Gould's health would not be jeopardized by a fourth consecutive miscarriage. And Ms. Gould talked to her seven-year-old daughter, and if you can imagine this, said, it looks to me like I've lost the baby. So at that moment in time, they were at a crossroads what to do. And if Ms. Gould and Zachman had relied upon Theranos, she would have aborted that pregnancy. But fortunately, Ms. Gould, uh, uh, Theron, uh, excuse me, uh, Zachman uh, recommended to Ms. Gould that she take an additional test. She took two more tests. They confirmed she was pregnant and she delivered a a healthy baby girl. So this is one example. It's not the entire movie. It's a snapshot of the movie of how tragic this could have been for patients who were end users of the Theranos product if they had relied on 
test results which were wildly inconsistent, unreliable, and inaccurate. And Theranos voided two years' worth of test results for a reason, because they were damning, incriminating evidence that the product didn't work. That is just so tragic. Glad it had a happy ending for that woman. So if you look in your crystal ball, uh, how do you see this playing out? As Does Ms. Holmes escape prison time, or is it just a fine probation? If you had a guess it, on that, what do you think? Well, it's too early to tell, but I will, I will tell you what I see as the constituent elements. And as a trial lawyer, I tell clients, they bring me a bucket of tile chips, and I try to create a mosaic. And that's what the prosecutors are trying to do in this case. Number one, there's testimony from Denise Yam, who is a, a, a controller for Theranos, that reflects that the financial condition of Theranos was fraudulently misrepresented. And so, it, to me, in my judgment, there is sufficient evidence to reflect that uh, there was a fraud committed in this case. It, the red flags that I've uh, re- referenced also provide circumstantial evidence of fraud. Now, I'm talking with you today because I, I began watching Perry Mason when I was in fourth grade. And in Perry Mason episodes, someone always confessed to the crime. That doesn't happen in real life. That doesn't happen in federal district court criminal trials. And everything is based on two aspects of evidence, circumstantial evidence and then eyewitness testimony. Here there are a lot of people who are former Theranos employees who will be testifying that Ms. Holmes had actual knowledge of the fact that the Theranos machines were unreliable and made fraudulent misrepresentations. So uh, with respect to that, and and besides that eyewitness testimony, there are documents that will corroborate the fraudulent misrepresentation. So my, my guess is that there's a very strong and compelling case that the government can present based upon the roadmap in the uh, Bad Blood book, which provides uh, an exquisite, detailed narrative from inception through conclusion of all of the fraud. And it's hard for me to imagine what her defense will be. I don't think that she will be able to persuade jurors that Balwani controlled her like some Svengali, because if she does that, if she tries to do it, she'll have to testify. And if she testifies, she'll waive her Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. And maybe she had a spellbinding power in boardrooms in Silicon Valley, but with street-smart jurors, I think it's unlikely that she's going to be able to persuade anyone that Balwani controlled her in a way that he was the puppeteer and she was the marionette and she was doing whatever he said. And by the way, I don't think that's a legal defense. So it's very early to predict an outcome. But if there is an outcome, I'll, I'll go back to where I began our visit this morning and say, I think there's a likelihood of public housing here and not just probation. Well, it's definitely something interesting that a lot of people are going to be watching Thank you so much, Mr. Lawless, for your time today. Uh, 
attorney Tom Lawless joined us on Politics and Life Science Radio. I want to thank him for his time. Mr. Lawless, if people wanted to find out more information, where can they go to find out more information on you? Um, my law firm is Levy, Small, and Lawless. We're in Los Angeles. My email address is tlawless at lsl-la.com. My phone number is 310-471-3000. And Dr. Finelli, it has been my pleasure. I'll be available to visit with you on at any time on matters of legal interest. Thank you so much for your time today, Mr. Lawless. It was a pleasure having you, and thank you for joining us today on Politics and Life Science Radio. This is Dean Finelli. We will talk to you again next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Politics and Life Sciences Radio with Dr. Dean L. Finelli. For more information, check us out at facebook.com slash politics and life sciences. 